this over there. Just Welcome everyone. Thank you everyone for coming. I would like to thank Rabbi Mansour for accepting our invitation once again on Erev Rosh Hashanah. Such a busy time to come here. It's a minhag already, right before Rosh Hashanah, to have him here. Can everyone please turn off their cell phone before we begin? There's a bone marrow registry outside. There's someone from the community that needs a bone marrow transplant. <coughs> very soon. Um, so if you have not registered before and you're not in the registry, it takes about five minutes to do. So after, please go outside, simple swap and uh, basic information and you, you'll be in the res- registry. Tonight's event is sponsored by Dr. and Mrs. Kurush Mehrnia for the Sakha of the family and also by the some organization as well. I'm not sure, the, I forgot the name. World one? World Zionist. World Zionist organization. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. It is our uh, minhag to uh, visit the Persian community in Great Neck in this synagogue, usually the night before Rosh Hashanah. I'm glad that uh, we were able to keep this minhag up in good health, Bezat Hashem, and strength. And I hope that we'll be able to keep this minhag up in the coming years. Amen. It is obvious the topic, although I wasn't giving the topic, but I'm assuming we're going to talk about Rosh Hashanah. And it is appropriate. So Rosh Hashanah in the Torah really only uh, discusses one mitzvah in the Torah, and that's Shofar. There is no other mitzvah in Rosh Hashanah besides the blowing of the Shofar Yom Teruah. And therefore, I think it's uh, worth it to talk a little tonight about this integral mitzvah, which is the centerpiece of the Hag. David HaMelech, when he talked about Shofar, in Tehillim he said, Fortunate is the people who understand the Teruah. David HaMelech said that many people hear the Teruah. But those people are not fortunate. The one who is Ashrei is one that understands the Teruah. Ashrei Ha'am Yud'e Teruah. So my intention tonight is to turn this congregation from Shum'e Teruah to Yud'e Teruah. And then you're guaranteeing the blessing of David Ashrei, that you'll be fortunate. So we begin with a question that most people ask 
when it comes to Rosh Hashanah, knowing that it's a day of judgment. So they asked the Rav, is there something we could do to increase our odds to get a better judgment? Is there something that's brought down in the Sefarim that gives us better advantages in order that the deen, for its biriut or parnasa or all the other things that we're going to get judged on, how do we uh, increase our odds that the judgment will be favorable? That's a strong question. I have good news. I found the answer in this paper over here. It's actually from a rabbi from Spain about 500 years ago. His name is Rabbi Yosef Albo. He wrote a sefer called Sefer Aikarim. The purpose of his sefer is to tell us that to be considered Jewish, it's not enough that your mother's Jewish. That only makes you biologically Jewish. But it doesn't make you hashkafically Jewish. And it's possible that you could have a very Jewish mother, but still be considered very un-Jewish. Unless you believe in certain core principles that Judaism professes. Now, Harambam also has a list of mandatory beliefs. His list is kind of long. It's 13. If you want to look at it, you can look at the end of Aliruna Shabayah. And most of the Sidurim have a list of the Anima Amins of Harambam. Might be a good idea to review them and give yourself the litmus test to see if you believe in all 13. I mean, according to Rambam, if you believe in 12 out of the 13, so you're out. You have, you're considered a defector and you lose your status of Jew. Uh, like I said, you need to go 13 for 13. Rabbi Yosef Albo disagrees with Maimonides. And he says... To be considered a proper Hashkafic Jew, you need to have Imunah, but you don't need to believe in 13. It's enough to believe in three core beliefs. And he tells us, number one is Mitzi'ut Hashem. What does that mean? You must believe that there is a God. He exists. You must believe that he created the world. You must believe that he's one, he has no partners, and that he's a mashkiach, that he supervises. He knows exactly what's going on at all times. That's all included in Mitzi'ut Hashem. Number two, so that takes away evolution and all the other theories that want to make the world its existence just by a coincidence or a chance or some sort of explosion. And Mitzvot Hashem tells us that if there's a book, there must be an author, and if there's a painting, there must be a painter, and if there's a world, there must be a creator. <coughs> the second of the principles is Scharba Onish. Scharba Onish means reward and punishment. You must believe that by coming here tonight to learn Torah, one day, in the future, you're going to get rewarded for this. Borei Olam has very good accounting. And he knows exactly what a person did and he doesn't forget. Even though we might forget what we did. But the uh, 
precision in God's accounting is as such that everything will be rewarded for. Yes, sachar lefodatech. And I'm sorry to tell you, but you must believe in the, the vice versa of that, that for every misdeed, there's a consequence. That's onish. There's repercussions for our actions. And if somebody comes along and says, I don't believe God's going to punish us. You think he really cares if we don't do this or if we do that? No. That you'll get punished for in itself. <laughs> That'll just only add to the punishment. Number three is what he calls Torah Menashamayim. You must believe that the Torah that we have was given to us from heaven. It's not man-made. Uh, as opposed to all other books, there's no other book as its kind, like the Torah Kedoshah. It is the word of God, solely and completely. And if one person comes along and says, I believe Torah Menashamayim, except for one pasuk, I feel that Moshe Rabbeinu just inserted it. You're out. One must believe that the entirety of Torah is divine min shamayim Torah shebichtab and the principles in Torah shebaalpeh. I was in Montreal once, and we were at a sefer Torah dedication, and you know how we do it: we block the streets, and we're dancing, and we're singing, and have the sefer Torah in the middle of the street, and there was a a police, a mounted police officer. In the Montreal department, you know, the ones with uh, the boots up to their knees. And he has a big uh, big hat on. And he says, excuse me, Rabbi, could you tell me what this big celebration is? I said, they finished the book. They wrote the last letter. He says, this is all because they completed a book? And he points across the street. He says, over there is the Queen's College. In that library, there's over 10,000 books. And we never blocked off streets and made a party for, for any of them. I said, well, there's a reason. Because those books in the library are synthetic. They're man-made. On a man-made book, you don't make a party. Because the book that men write are inaccurate and they're imperfect. This book over here is one of its kind. It's written by God himself. And therefore, it's perfect. And for this, it causes a celebration. The Constitution of the United States, it's man-made. That's why it lends itself to amendments every couple of years. But the Torah is the same as it was when it was given. Not more, not less. Because when God writes a book, it's perfect. And that's the third principle that teaches us Torah Menashram. So let's review. According to the Yosef Albo, Mitzi'ut Hashem, and then you have Schar Ba'onesh, and then you have Torah Menashamayim. Finish. ברוך אתה אדוני ואנו מלכוונם של כל יום ברוך. ודני says something amazing. He says, and I'll prove it to you that these are the three keys of Judaism, because if you go to Rosh Hashanah and you look at the Musaf of Rosh Hashanah, which is the, the most important Amidah, maybe of the year, for sure it's the longest, and in that Amidah, if you paid attention, it's divided into three parts. You have Malchuyot, you have Zichronot, and then you have Shofarot. He says, what is the theme of Malchuyot? You have ten Pesukim that all talk about 
how God is the sovereign king of the entire universe. We talk about Shema Yisrael, Hashem Eloheinu, Hashem Ehad. We talk about his oneness. As a matter of fact, he says, the purpose of Malchuyot is to profess in your minds Metziut Hashem. Then when you move to Zichronot, we get surprised because somebody enters the Amidah that you don't expect to see till a few weeks. And who was that? Noah. How did Noah get into the Amidah of Rosh Hashanah? Don't ask, but he's there. And the Amidah tells us a story that he lived in a generation that were corrupt and they were filled with theft and immorality. And what did God do to the generation? Because they committed misdeeds, there was consequences. The Zichronot reminds us that if you make sins, there's going to be consequences. That's Onish. And Noah was a Sadiq. And because he was a Sadiq, he got saved. He was rewarded. Zichronot professes the principle of Scharba Onish. We talk about the Egyptians. The Egyptians who were the evil people got punished. The Jews who were the victims got rewarded. Scharba Onish. Then we move to Shofarot. In Shofarot, what do we have? Atanigleta, you revealed to us yourself at Har Sinai. And you came along in your majestic voice and you presented to us Torah Umitzvot. Shofarot comes to remind us of the third key principle, Torah Menashamayim. And therefore says of Yosef Albu, you see I'm right. That's why they come along in the Tefillah Musaf in those three sections because on Rosh Hashanah one must recommit themselves to the three principles in order to establish them as legal Jews. But here is the Hadush that he writes. And if you do it, what happens? So he writes and I quote, If you will commit yourself to these beliefs that were mentioned, according to the way you're supposed to do it, now listen. This is an amazing line. So, to answer our original question, how does a person uh, increase his odds to commit himself to the three core beliefs? Metziut Hashem, Schar Ba'onesh, Torah Again, I quote, Yizkeh Adam B'dino Lefneh Hashem. And when should you do it? In the Amidah. So when you get to Malchuyot, you pause for a minute. I believe b'mitziut Hashem, shuehad yachidum yuhad v'ubarat ha'olam v'hu ha'mashkiach. In zikronot, you come along and say, for all the good deeds I did, one day God's going to reward me. For the sins, unless I make teshuvah, there's going to be a consequence. And I also believe in shofarot that at Har Sinai, God revealed Himself to me. And gave the Torah, which is entirely Menashamayim. At that point, Yizkebadim. With this, I explained something else. 
The Gemara Rosh Hashanah, page 16, says, why do we blow the shofar uh, standing and sitting? So the Gemara says, ah, we want to disorient the Satan. After all, he's the prosecutor. And we want him to lose his equilibrium on Rosh Hashanah so he doesn't prosecute. So by blowing the shofar, sitting and then standing, so somehow he gets all, he gets all confused. Tosfot over there quotes to Yerushalmi. And Yerushalmi says, actually, when we blow the first 30 sounds, those are sitting, the Satan is bahil velo bahil. Bahil velo bahil means he's, he's losing his balance, but he's still okay. But once we blow the second set of 30 standing, that's when the erbub sets in, and he starts to hide under the table, and he loses his ability to prosecute. And I'm asking a simple question. The first 30 sounds sound exactly like the second 30 sounds. Only difference is the first 30 were sitting and the second 30 were standing, which I don't think makes such a big deal to the Satan. Why does he only become me'urbab in the second set and not in the first? In the first, he still has the ability to prosecute, but he's a little bahil, bahil below bahil. But once you get to the second 30, that's it. He loses his tongue. What happens in the second 30 that doesn't happen in the first? Well, you know our Minhag. The second 30 is blown in the silent Amidah. And where do we blow it? In Malchuyot and Zichronot and Shofarot. That means the second set of Tikiot, when they're blasting, we're delivering it with our Kavanah, on the three cores of Emunah. That means, the Tikiot of Malchuyot go up with Mitziut Hashem. The Tikiot of Zichronot go up with the Kavanah of Emunah Bishar Ba'onesh. And the Tikiot of Shofarot go up with the Kavanah of Toram Rashamayim. When the Satan hears our beliefs in the Shofar, he becomes Me'urbab. That's what the Sefer Akari means. And that's why the second 30 are more uh, beneficial to us than the first 30, in the sense that the Satan cannot answer when a tiki'ah comes up with emunah. And that's what it means in the Pasukah Tehilim. Fortunate is the nation that does not hear Teru'ah, but understands it. They understand each section, how the Teru'ah must be delivered. And if you have that Kavanah of the three core principles, then the Satan becomes Me'urbab, then David is right, Ashre, you're fortunate. I hope I remember that I, I would like to remind my congregation back in Brooklyn, before Musaf, Botai, don't forget this kavanah. When you say Malchiyot, Zikron, Shofar, and you hear the Shofar during those three intervals, plug in your belief, <coughs> mentally. And then you will be not a Shomeya Teru'ah, you will be a Yodeya Teru'ah. And when the congregation is a Yodeya Teru'ah, 
They are ashreh. They are fortunate. They are lucky. Can I look at that homas for a minute? Toda rabah. So I said to myself, the parasha that we always read before Rosh Hashanah is Nitzavim. I said for sure there's going to be a mention of Rosh Hashanah in Nitzavim. Sorry to tell you. I went through all the Pesukim. I, don't, I think there's only 40 Pesukim. But I went through all of them. I didn't find the word Rosh Hashanah not even once. Which I was surprised. I mean, the parasha that comes before Rosh Hashanah, don't you think it should be talking about Rosh Hashanah? But then I opened up the Zohar Kadosh, and the Zohar Kadosh gives us a rule that anytime you see the word Hayom, Hayom is referring to the day, and the day is Rosh Hashanah. Like we say, Hayom Arat Onam, exactly. So then I said, beautiful. I opened up the first Pasuk in this week's Perasha, Atem Nitzavim Hayom. Ah, that Rosh Hashanah. And I have a proof that it's referring to Rosh Hashanah. Because who was standing in front of Moshe on this day? Kol Ish Yisrael. Everybody. And we all know that while maybe during the course of the year, not everybody shows up to Bet Knesset. You know, during the year, there are fair weather friends. Sometimes they show up, sometimes they don't. You know, because... Uh, Shabbat, not all of them are important to them. Not all the Hagim are significant. But there's one holiday where Kol Ish Israel is present. And that is, of course, Rosh Hashanah. As a matter of fact, you could tell usually who the people are that come once a year. They usually come in the night of Rosh Hashanah with a talet on. You have to tell them, that's Kippur. You got the wrong day. So, oh, yeah, I know, I know, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I forgot it. That's usually a giveaway. But the point is, but the point is, the Zerem is in the Pasuk. Atem Nitzavim Hayom, Hayom Daros Hashanah. And who's there? Kol Ish Then what does it say? Moshe Rabbeinu is talking to the people. And we're learning it now in the context of Rosh Hashanah. Le'ovrecha bevrit Hashem. First, you must accept the covenant of Hashem. What's the covenant? Torah. Torah of Hashem. That's the principle of Torah and Hashemayim. Secondly, he says, you must accept Alato. Alato is referring to what we read in last week's parasha, the Berachot and the Kedalot. The Berachot, if you keep the Torah, and the Kedalot, if you don't. That's Alato. That's Charva Onish. And then the Pasuk says, what else do you have to learn today? Asher Adonai Elohecha Koret Emecha. That God, your Lord, your God, that's Mitziut Hashem. And therefore, in Parashat Nitzavim, an allusion to Rosh Hashanah, and an allusion in one Pasuk, the Brit, the Allah, and Hashem Elohecha, which is the three principles that Rosh Hashanah Tefilat Musaf discusses. So, that's my first offering uh, to the members that are assembled here tonight. I mean, if I stop here, you benefit it. I don't have any guilt. If I would bang on the Tiba and say, Rabbi Hananya, I would say, 
you have benefited. It's a big Hadush. You have a new Kavanah. I mean, I gave you now a trick how to overcome bad judgment and how to succeed to get a exonerated good judgment, which means good year and positive. And now you are Yudaytiruah. However, I don't want to deprive you from understanding the tiru'ah on a much deeper level. Because you can understand tiru'ah al-pi apshat, and then you can understand tiru'ah al-pi hasod. And my feeling is that the deeper you understand tiru'ah, the greater effect it's going to have. So please allow me now to go and reinterpret the interpretation of Teruah. But in order to introduce it, <clears throat> I have a few questions, and I must present them to you. of Rosh Hashanah Musaf, as I mentioned to you, we mentioned Matan Torah. It's a whole paragraph, actually. And I didn't expect to hear about Shavuot on Rosh Hashanah. Just like I don't expect to open up the Mahzor of Shavuot and the talk about Rosh Hashanah. I think like the wires got crossed over here. Somehow Shavuot becomes front and center of the Amidah Musaf. What is it doing there? Furthermore, there's another event that didn't happen yet, but it's in the Musaf. And that's the event of Tekab Shofar Gadol. There's something that's called Shofar Gadol, a big Shofar. And that Shofar is going to be blown when Mashiach comes. And that Shofar is going to introduce Tehiyatamitim, the resurrection. And I'm very happy. I mean, I'm excited for that event, and Bezat Hashem, we should witness it in our time. <laughs> but why does that make it to the tefillah of Rosh Hashanah? So you're going to tell me, no? because Rabbi, these two events share a common denominator. Both events had and will have a shofar in it. At Matan Torah, there was a shofar being blown. And in Tehiyatamitim, there's going to be a shofar being blown. So therefore, the connection, uh, why we put them together in the Amidah of Rosh Hashanah, which is the day of the Shofar, is because these are two other events that also had Shofar. Okay. Doesn't excite me that answer. But I know there's a connection between those two events. I know they're connected somehow, more than the Shofar. How do I know they're connected? Because where did the shofar of Matan Torah come from? I mean, it's a physical shofar, if that's the way you're learning it. Where did it come from? From the, from the, from the Judaic store, from the Smithsonian? Where did it come from? <laughs> from the Akedah. So Yitzhak is taken off the Mizbeah and 
Abraham Abinu finds an ayel, a ram, in the, in the thicket, basebach, and he has to pull it out. Now he has to bring it on the mezbeah. Now you don't bring the ram's horns on the mezbeah, so they were detached. God told them, don't discard them. The left horn you'll use for matan Torah shofar, and the right horn that they call tekap shofar gadol, the big horn, that'll be used in the future when Mashiach comes, so hold it. Both of these horns are connected because they come from the same animal. So must be there's a connection between the shofar of Matan Torah and the shofar of Mashiach. I don't see the connection at first. But if it's coming from the same animal, they were neighbors. And Borei Olam says, use this one first, and then use this one Second, my friend Nassim on the way out of Bet Knesset this morning pointed out to me strange that the shofar of Matan Torah is the less significant shofar, it's the left horn. You would expect that the shofar of Matan Torah should be the, but it's not, it's the left horn. But the shofar of Mashiach, which is really not a Matan Torah event is the right horn. That needs understanding as well. But the real question that I have always, and maybe tonight, I will finally have an answer to it. So they say, what happens when the Satan hears the Shofar on Rosh Hashanah? He gets flustered. Why? Because he thinks it's the Shofar of the Mashiach. So he hides under the table because he knows that when Mashiach comes, the first order is they're going to kill him. Because it says, So he thinks that he's in trouble. So he is the Shofar, so he hides. I can ask you a question. We've been blowing the Shofar for 5,700 years. When is the Satan going to figure out that it's not the Shofar of Mashiach? How are we able to prank the Satan every year without fail? I mean, the Satan is not a fool. He's a very clever guy. And he falls for the same trick every year. Why can't he come to the realization that, you know why they're blowing the shofar? Because they have to blow the shofar and no shoshana. By the way, he doesn't know what it says in the homash. He must know the homash by heart, the Satan. Because he has to know it in order to get us to go against it. So the Satan must know the Tariyag Mitzvot, very clear. So if he knows the Tariyag Mitzvot, he must know there's a Mitzvot for the Jews to go to Baron Shoshana. So when they stop blowing the Shofar, his therapist should tell them, don't get scared, don't be nervous, don't have phobia, don't have trauma, you know like I know, they're just blowing the Shofar because that's what they do on Rosh Hashanah. There's no Mashiach. You're not going to die. Don't get scared. Breathe. Count to ten. Whatever you can tell them. But instead, the guy's inconsolable because the guy's under the table shaking. Oh, Mashiach's coming. Mashiach's coming. So God tells us, do you have anything to say? Uh, I'm too me'urbab. I have nothing to say. I rest my case. And again, I'm asking, fool me once. But fool me 5,700 years consecutively? I mean, this is a world record of how many times you can prank the same person over and over again. And it works every year. 
That, that really needs pshat. So the answer to these questions I found uh, on this paper. This paper over here is from a sefer called Ma'amara Chokhmah. Ma'amara Chokhmah was written by Rav Moshe Haim Lutzato, the same author of the Mesila Isharim. But you have to know he was also one of the greatest Kabbalists of all time. And in this sefer over here, I mean, he writes it, he's writing the Kavanot of Rosh Hashanah in the Sefer. And he has a line. I picked up on the line. It caught my attention. He doesn't elaborate. He assumes that he's going to write it in the shorthand like he did. And he's going to assume, I'm going to read it to you. He writes like this. Ma'amara Chokhmah. He's talking about a tikkun. He calls it the ultimate tikkun, the final tikkun, final rectification. When is the final tikkun going to happen? He says, Mashelo Hayakimoto. It's going to be a tikkun that is unprecedented. That tikkun is called Nikra Shofar Gadol. That's called Shofar Gadol. The Ulam. We were commanded to blow the shofar on Rosh Hashanah. Why? To strengthen the rectification. It's just to strengthen the tikkun that began at Matan Torah. That's all he says. Now I, re- I review what, he, what, he's, what he's telling us. He's telling us there's three events. There's the Hathalata Tikkun, the beginning of the Tikkun. I don't know what we're talking about, but the Tikkun of something. And when did that start? Matan Torah. The Tikkun is going to reach its conclusion at the time of Shofar Gadol. When Mashiach comes, then the Tikkun is going to be complete. And the bridge that bridges Tikkun Aleph to Tikkun Bet is Rosh Hashanah. That's the way station. That's the point that connects A to B. And what's the common denominator between all the events? Matan Torah had a shofar. There's a shofar gadol of Mashiach comes with Metim. And then there is shofar of Rosh Hashanah. Now you understand? Well, I don't. I don't know what he's talking about. Rosh Hashanah links these events? What in the world is the connection to Rosh Hashanah and Matan Torah? As if it's, 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 it's a stop on the journey to Shofar Gadol? Why? My Keshet. Well, I have bad news. The Mamara Hukmah, he stops there. And he moves on to the next topic. So now we need to really crack it open because this is a, this this is a, he's trying to say something here, and he knows what he's talking about, but he leaves the reader, you know, somewhere in the outer space. So we need to open it up. 
I'd like to offer the interpretation. But in order to understand it, you need to go back to page one of the Torah. Adam Arishon. So Adam Arishon is born on Rosh Hashanah. Hava also. And we talk about the force of evil. Now the force of evil, at least on day one, when Adam Rishon was created, was different than we know it today. The force of evil was called the Nahash. Evil existed at a certain location. You had to go to it to get seduced. It doesn't come to you. So it was very easy to stay on the straight and narrow path. The straight and narrow path was very easy because just avoid the bad neighborhood. You know, you just put a sign, Nahash that way, don't, don't, don't make a left turn, and he can't come to you. So therefore, as long as you keep out of the, uh, the slums, you'll never get seduced. That's the way it was before Adam and Rishon sinned. Hava, I'm sorry to tell you, took a left turn and all of a sudden she found herself in a bad neighborhood and that's the neighborhood of Nahash and she got seduced and don't ask but Adam got seduced as well and before you know it we don't hear about the Nahash from that point on again and I always wanted to know what happened to him like there should be some interview uh, what happened in the aftermath of the Nahash after that story you know what, what, what he just disappears I mean, such an integral part of the story. He's the one that seduced Adam and Abba and changed the world forever. Where did he go? He went to retire. He, he moved to Florida. Where did he go? <laughs> and the explanation is, he didn't go anywhere. Except he went into Adam and Abba. You don't hear about him anymore because now he became part of Adam and Abba. Now the evil became part of the person. Now it was not in a destination or in a location. It was in the person in all places at all times. Now the Yitzhah would travel with us. It was, it was a game changer. You want to hear a, 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 a complicated word that the holy books use? They call it Zohama. Zohama is like um, a, a poison or, 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 or a, an infection. Dirt, spiritual dirt. They say at that point over there, the Zohama, the Zohama came inside of us. And then the big question is, all right, we know how it came in us. He ate from the tree. How do you get rid of it? That's the way to get rid of it. So there has to be, and I hate to use the word vaccine because that's a, you know, it opens up a whole Pandora's box in itself. So we have to figure out a, a vaccine. I mean, a vaccine that works, I'm talking about. <laughs> in order to rid yourself of this, of this Zohama. And now all of a sudden, the Sefarim bring down that when Shofar is blown, 
somehow Shofar is able to rid the world of Ra. Ra becomes degraded and minimized at the time of the blowing of the Shofar. To me it's a hadush. I never knew it. I thought it's just a bunch of sounds. There's no. There's something that Shofar does to the Ra where it minimizes it and it has the ability to ultimately get rid of it. They asked Arizal, where do you see that? He said, well, I'll just give you two of them, He says, on Rosh Hashanah, each sound that we blow has to be a certain shi'ur. What's the shi'ur? Shohan Aruch writes, each sound must be at least nine trumitin. What is a trumitin? Trumitin is a note. And that note is a kawah. And it sounds like this, two. So nine twos is two, 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 two. Each sound has to be as long as I just... As I just said, two, 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 nine sounds. So the tekiah, nine trumitim. Shivarim, nine trumitim. Teruah, nine trumitim. That's not like that. How many sounds do we blow in each section? 30. So how many trumitim altogether are we blowing? This is higher mathematics. 30 times nine which is 270. In Hebrew, the letter for 200 is a resh, and the letter for 70 is a ayin. That spells the word ra. Says the Benu Ari, when you blow the 270 through between in the 30 sounds, you're degrading the ra. Not only the ra inside of us, but the ra in the world. People always ask me, Rabbi, are you, are you feeling what I'm feeling? The world is degenerating in front of our eyes. I mean, the values are... There's no more values. I mean, there's no more right anymore. Everything is woke. And everything, the, the, the society is just sliding into, a, into an abyss. This might be the, the, the worst time ever. Even Maybe even worse than Dora Mabul. And we're the lucky ones to live in this generation. So they always ask, what are we supposed to do? Well, if you ask that, Rizal will tell you, blow the shofar. Shofar is the vaccine against Ra. Now, you can't just blow it on a, a random Tuesday. You had to blow it on the prescribed, you know, when the times are. And one of the times is Rosh Hashanah, obviously. Anyway, the first time Oh, let me tell you the second name is that he said. One of the sets of, of, of sounds that we blow is called Tashrat. Tashrat. Tiki'ah, Shifarim, Tiru'ah, Tiki'ah. How many Tashrats do we blow on Rosh Hashanah? Well, we blow three when we're sitting, and then three in the silent, and then three in the Hazara, and then one in the Kaddish before Alin al Shabayah. So there's all, altogether ten Tashrats. Arizal said, what's the significance of ten tashrats? Each sound again has nine. Nine through mitin. So tika'ah, shivarim, tiru'ah, that's four sounds. 
So each tashtat has 36. You know how I got that? Nine times four. Each tashtat is 36. And if there's 10 tashtats, so that's 360. Now you're saying, oh, what's the number 360? Says the Arizal, that's gematria satan imakolel. Satan is 359, plus the word is 360. Because with the blowing of the 10 tashrats, we degrade satan. That's the way it works. Now don't ask me how yet. Mechanics, I'll give you in a minute. Now I'm just giving you the principle, what's happening. So therefore he says, at Matan Torah what happened when we blew the shofar at Matan Torah wasn't stop blowing a, uh, a bugle. That was purging B'nai Israel from the Zuhama that was within. It was the beginning of the Tikkun. It didn't destroy it, it just minimized it. And the proof of the pudding is that after Matan Torah's shofar, and we still did the Egil, so it was still there. But it was subdued a little. It wasn't the same Zohama from Adam Rishon. And then what? The ultimate, I guess you want to call it the booster. <laughs> so that, that happens every Rosh Hashanah. Every Rosh Hashanah, we're continuing the tikkun that began at Matan Torah. <coughs> Shofar of Rosh Hashanah makes the world less evil. Like it says in the Mahzor, Ki ta'avir memshelet zadon mena'aretz. That's the goal of Rosh Hashanah, to get memshelet zadon, the uh, corrupt Government, and we're not talking about the Democrats, we're talking about over here, <laughs> Memshelet Zadon, the Memshelet Zadon of the Samechmen, of the Satan. How? Shofar. And that's what Ramchal means when he says, We're strengthening, it's a Booster of the tikkun that began at Matan Torah. Now, I know what you're going to ask me. You're saying, but Rabbi, it seems that, according to what you're saying, the day after Rosh Hashanah, the evil in the world should be reduced. But look what's going on in the world. It seems like it's only getting worse. <coughs> I mean, it sounds like that every time you blow the shofar, the next year becomes significantly worse in Ra than the year before. I mean, we blew the Shafat in the 80s. The 80s weren't the best years for moral, uh, you know, uh, uh, rights, but it's better than what it is today. And that's, that's 40 years of Shafat. So it sounds like that Shafat is only making things worse than better. I want to explain that. Don't tell God how to get rid of the Ra. He knows exactly what he's doing. You remember when Haman was finally hung on a tree? What was the system that God used to bring down Haman? He brought him up first. He brought him to the crescendo. And once he peaked, 
then the only place he can go is down. It's the same thing with the Ra. Anytime you see the Ra getting stronger, you should say to yourself, beautiful, it's coming. You don't, you don't make yush when the Ra gets stronger. When the Ra gets stronger, the capitalists come along and say, beautiful, he's getting higher and higher and higher. He's about to fall any minute. And when you say he can't get worse, that means he must be at the top of the run. And that's what I was doing. It's, a, it's all a setup in order to bring the Ra to its demise. Before the collapse, Gaon. Gaon means greatness. Before a person dies, the doctors say, sometimes they get one last burst of strength. Mm. You ever see the person doesn't talk for a couple of hours, he starts waking up, he's talking, boom, he collapses after that. They say it's like a candle. Right before it goes out, it it spurts a little and sends out some, some flickering and then it extinguishes. This is the last dance of the Satan. This is his last energy, so he's giving everything he has. And he's spinning us into a tizzy. But after that, he's going to run out of energy. And so that's what's happening now. The Tikkun started on, 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 on Matan Torah. Every year we add to the Tikkun by blowing the Shofar on Nosh Hashanah. That means something's happening. And ultimately, when Mashiach comes, that's going to be the final blow. Literally, the final blow. No pun intended. When we blow the shofar at that moment, now I understand what the Satan is getting nervous about. He knows Mashiach's not coming. And he knows that we're blowing the shofar because it's Rosh Hashanah. But you know what happens every time we blow the shofar? He feels a little what he knows he's going to feel when Mashiach comes and he gets that feeling of degradation and minimal, they're minimizing him and they're lowering him. So he starts to get scared because he says, wow, this is what I felt like on the day of Matan Torah. And I know that I'm going to feel this in the most pronounced way when Mashiach comes. That's why he gets scared. Because there is an element of Shofarosh Mashiach in every Rosh Hashanah. It's not that he hears a sound, oh, uh, is that Mashiach? No, not the sound that he gets scared of. There is a reality that happens when the Shabbat is blown on Rosh Hashanah. The Satan is not the same. He's weak. So, but also, why are you hiding under the table? I'm starting to feel weak. And I know that one day that I'm not going to feel weak. It's going to be a total knockout. And I know this is a bridge to the final to the final event. <laughs> now you understand what the tirwa is doing. Not only does it remove some of the zohama from us, that's why Shofar is so important. The ladies should come to your Shofar if they can. It's a, it's a cleansing. It's part of the world tikkun in the Ramchal's understanding. It's the bridge between these two events. That's why in the Amidah we mentioned them both. And that's why both Shofarot come from the same animal. Because they're connected. And that's why the left Shofar, which is the less significant, is at Matan Torah, because that's when the Dikun begins. But the Tekabe Shofar Gadol is when the Dikun is going to end. That's when Bilam Mavet that's when we use the big one. But that's when it's going to be the finality.
Oh, now you're sitting and you're saying, okay, well, Rabbi, how does it work? How does it work? Explain it to us how Shofar does this. So we'll have a theory to give you tonight. Here he goes like this. There's something else that happened at Matan Torah that's going to happen at the Hayat Metim. I don't know if you know this, but at Matan Torah, it was a mass casualty event. <coughs> Maybe the, the greatest mass casualty event in Jewish history. Three million people came to Har Sinai and God said, and everybody died on the spot. Three million people dead. Now what? I mean, at least there was no talking. It was quiet. They finally got quiet. But you got to continue the event. So it says, Olam resurrected them. When God resurrects, how does he resurrect? He blows into the nostril. Just like he did Tadam Arishon. According to the holy books, when they say that there was a shofar at Matan Torah, you know what they're talking about? Not only this shofar, the physical shofar, the shofar of HaKadosh Baruch Hu blowing into the nostrils of the three million people. That's the vaccine. When God blows His Spirit into the person, at that point over there, the Ra has nowhere to go. The Ra, the Ra dissipates. The Ra moves away. Like we say in this week's Perasha, Shoresh, Pore, Rosh, Vila'ana. God says inside of everybody there's a Shoresh. Shoresh is a root. And that root is Pore. Pore means if that Shoresh of evil is left un unchecked, it metastasizes. It's poreh. And you know what it ends up turning into? Rosh vila'ana. A bitter and a poisonous herb. Says the Mikubalim, if you take the word shofar, shofar is Lashet Tevot. Shoresh poreh rosh vila'ana. Because that's what the shofar does. It goes after the root of evil into the person and it's able to remove it. And how? Well, in Matan Torah, God blew it himself. That's the shofar of Hashem. And at Tehayat HaMetim, God's going to blow it again. When God blows Himself, He blows the spirit inside of man, and it blows out the evil. And that happens on Rosh Hashanah as well. Yes, you heard me. On Rosh Hashanah, God blows His shofar into us. I saw from Rav Yonatan Ibishitz. He says... What is the shofar supposed to look like? It's a funny shape. Well, it looks like it's, like it's like the horn of an animal. We know that. But there's a symbolism what the shofar is supposed to look like. You know what it's supposed to give you the image of? A nose. I mean, I've seen people with noses like shofarot, but... <laughs> I mean, that's shofar gadol. <laughs> But Rabbi Yonatan Ivishit says that when you look at the shofar, the imagery that you have to have in your mind is the nose. Okay, I accept. But then he says, now normally you blow your nose. 
But in this case, we're blowing into the nose. Why on Rosh Hashanah would we have such an imagery of blowing air into a nose? He says, because we are connecting to when God blew into the nose of Adam Arishon on the day of Rosh Hashanah, 5,783 years ago. And therefore, when we blow into the shofar, we are mimicking God's action of blowing into us as well. And as a result, what happens? It blows the ra out of us. So there's a commonality between Matan Torah, God blew into us. Tehayat Metim, God's going to have to blow into us. And Anosh Hashanah happens as well. And that's how it works. The shofar activates God's blowing. And when God blows his spirit into man, the ra has to dissipate. And every year we get a little closer to the ultimate vaccination of Zuhama. So you're not the same after shofar. If you feel your heart beating when they're blowing the shofar, that's because Borei is blowing a spirit into you and you're becoming cleansed. Yeah, what a moment this is. We're inaugurating a new shul in Brooklyn this holiday. We've been building it for many years. It's a soft opening. But nonetheless, we're going to get in Be'ezat Hashem tomorrow night for the inauguration. We're short about $15 million, so I'd like to raise some money tonight. Anybody want to step up? Anyway, we'll put that on the side. So they asked me, we need Pesukim to put over the, over the Echal. And then they said, when we open the doors of the Hechal, I guess we're going to do it for the first time on Rosh Hashanah, they need a pasuk inside. So I chose a pasuk when the Hechal will be opened up for the first time, the pasuk that should be present. And the pasuk that I chose was, Se'u she'arim nashechem. Us'u olam, this is a pasuk that Shilomo HaMelech said when he opened up the Hechal the first time in the first temple. Let the gates open up. And the, the, the gates of the world will open up. The gates of the world are through the Hechal where the Sefer Torah is. And who enters? Let the King of Glory enter. And I felt that that's a proper pasuk also when we inaugurate the opening of the Hechal for the first time, like the Beit HaMikdash. But there's a deeper explanation that I'm telling you tonight why I chose that Pasuk. Because I knew that the first time we're opening it is going to be on Rosh Hashanah. And I knew that Shofar is the Shetevot, Shoresh, Pore, Rosh, Bela'ana, that the Shofar has the ability to go inside the person, to the root of evil, and to blow it out. Before that shorish is poreh and becomes rosh velahana, and once you clean out the evil, surmera, there's a vacuum that's created, and in that vacuum where there's no ra, enters melech kavod. The glory of God is able to enter when we get rid of the ra. Every year we are bringing the melech kavod 
more closer into our lives by blowing shofar and ridding ourselves of evil. So I chose the pasuk. If you take the word shofar, shofar is rashi tevot. Shearim, 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 shin, rashichem, usu petche. Shofar is rashetevot, she'arim, rashechem, us'u petcheh. And as a result of that, I felt that since the day of organization is the day of the shofar, the pasuk that has the remes of shofar should be front and center. Because it's doing exactly what our intention is on the holiday. To rid ourselves of ra and to bring ourselves towards the melech ha'kavod. She'arim, rashechem, us'u petcheh. Fortunate is the people that understand Teruah. Not only do you understand it like Rabbi Yosef Albo said, the three principles of Emunah. Emunah Ba'ashem, Mitziut Hashem, Sechar Ba'onish, and Tunam Ha'ashamayim. Yes, that's Yud'ayt Teruah, and you must include that in your Kabanot of Malchuyot Zechon Shofarot. But the depth of what's going on over here is we are burning the evil from our midst. And there is a link between Shofar of Matan Torah and Shofar of Rosh Hashanah. It's a continuation like the Ramchal said of the process. And ultimately it will be completed at the time that Mashiach comes. And at that moment, we're going to say, shofar gadol. And Shofar Gadol is going to bring us freedom from the Satan and freedom from the Yetzirah. And at that point, the Pasuk is going to be fulfilled. That the ultimate death and the one that controls evil, he will be consumed forever. And at that moment, אנחנו חפשים מעצרת גוי עדי תורה ועדיר